we have four readings this morning. Uh, the first one is Genesis 12, which is to be found on page 13. And then we move on to Romans, chapter 4, which is page 1131. So we start at Genesis 12, page 13. The call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Then we move on to Romans 4, page 1131. Abraham justified by faith. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefathers, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. And then we move down to verse 13. It was not through law that Abraham and his offerings received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And then we move to John 3, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, page 1065. And this is Jesus teaching Nicodemus. Page 1065. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
We know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everybody born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this is God's living word. Last week, oh thank you. I said I was going to talk on Psalm 121. And I had all this preparation done, and we were going to look at um, that it was a pair with 122, that um, it was about journey to Jerusalem, which is why we had mountains. It was about dehydration, pulse, all of it. God changed it during the week. And I'm doing, it, we are doing Psalm 121, but we're looking at it in a very different way. And a way I hope I never have to do again. I'm hoping that in future I'll be able to go back to my nice, safe, theological talking. But I'm not this morning, so bear with me. So thank you, Malcolm, for reading all of those passages. We're going to pick up bits from all of them, which is why we did all of them. You could have picked that For God So Loved the World one and done a whole series, couldn't you? But I'm not. You're lucky. I shall try and get you through before tea. So... The statement that I started with was that I will make you a great nation. It was God speaking to Abraham, and it was his promise to him that I will make you a great nation. We've got in in Genesis 17, it says, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. 
I thought we'd go for spring and be cheerful. That's why your background, spring flowers. We've had enough wind and rain. So, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, because I have made you a father of many nations. And then in Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So these were the promises that God made to Abraham. And my question is, did this come true? Do God's promises come true? Yes. If you looked, if you go back, the 12 tribes of Israel were Abraham's great-grandchildren, the, um, the, four, the 12 leaders of that. So you could have those as the nations. Or you could look now. Uh, you've got three religions that call Abraham father, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And if you think of the number of nations in the world that have that as their religion, you would end up with those um, grains of sand, wouldn't you? God keeps his promises to make a great nation. One thing we looked at in home group, this is a slight diversion, but it intrigues me. When Jesus got cross in the temple and turned over the tables, it was about the fact that you had... This was meant to be a house of prayer for the nations of the world. And it was about being open to the nations of the world. I'd always thought it had been about the fact that there was money and all that kind of stuff. But when we looked into it, it was more about that it was in the court of the Gentiles and it had stopped the rest of the world coming to God by what they were doing. God wanted the whole world. He wants the whole world. And therefore, Abraham to be of many nations father of many nations and then you have that promise that we had in the next reading from John that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life that promise that God gave us just as his promise to Abraham came true that one comes true for us too something we can rely on and focus on He loves the world, every single person in it. And for that, he gave his one and only son. And that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So if over time, God can fulfill his promise to Abraham, there is no reason to doubt that he will not fulfill his promises to us. And therefore, my question was, Do we know what the promises of God to us are? And rather than me talk on the hundreds, I'm just going to pick them up, of promises that God gave us. I have given you a printout. You see, it's the teacher in me. You have a uh, printout of the promises. They came from the Compassion website. So if you want to go to the Compassion website and have a look at them, they are there. And while you're there, obviously sponsor a child if you've got a moment. But (laughs) there is, this is 50 promises that are on your sheet. And there are, should be some spares at the back if you haven't got one. I did 50 copies to link to 50 promises. I didn't have enough staples, which is why you've got very pretty little paper clips on the top. So I thought we'd have a quick flick through some of them. They're grouped on that website. And so we're going to start with Bible promises about God's goodness is the first group. 
And remembering our theme that God is faithful, we can trust that these will happen. And there's the link. If you want to find the link rather than search for it yourself, it's on the PowerPoint. And Kevin always puts the PowerPoint on the website, so you can find them. So I thought I'll start with 1 Chronicles. If we go on again, Tris. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Yeah, you won't be able to read them, I know. That's why you've got this. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, we'd have had slide after slide. His love endures forever. You are loved. And so many people in this world forget they're loved. You are loved by God. You're probably loved by many other people around you. But you are loved by God. And as they were talking about on UCB this morning, that passage from Romans, nothing can separate you from that love. You are loved by God. His love endures forever was the psalm afterwards. It's not going to disappear. And because of that, every good and perfect gift is from above. He will give you good and perfect gifts. And then the Nahum one further down. As I say, I'm just picking a few. You can look at the others later. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. He's a refuge in times of trouble. So when we're going through difficulties, and it says on the Compassion website, it's so easy to focus on ourselves. We should focus on God's promises to us and see what he gives us. And then we have God's promises next about being with us. He is faithful to us. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When you, walk through, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. And then from Deuteronomy, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then promises of God about provision. Thank you, Tristan. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And the lions may grow weak and hungry, But those who seek the Lord lack nothing. God provides for his people. And he will provide for you. And then things Jesus promised. There's a lot of those. And I really am going to just pick a few of those. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy And my burden is light. And then John 10.10, which is the bottom of that one. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then the next, thank you. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection of the life and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying.
and peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then the fact that we have that access to God with prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generous to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God has made, these are only a few of them that I've printed off here, and I'm sure there are many more as well. God has promised all sorts of things. But what God hasn't promised is that life is going to be a doddle. He doesn't say, it'll all be hunky-dory, no problems, no difficulties. Once you come to me, everything's splendid. If we just think about, um, Calvin talked about the Beatitudes a few weeks ago, and just look at those things in the Beatitudes. We've got people who are mourning. People who say there must be death and suffering. There are peacemakers, which means there must be war and conflict. Persecution. There is plenty of evidence that God does not say that just because you come to me, I'm going to make it all easy. You're going to have tough things to go through. If you go on to Tristan, there we are, and to the next one. I looked at a few passages on suffering. I found that my laptop took pictures and did all sorts of things to them. I got a bit carried away for the rest of the PowerPoint. <laughs> You've got all sorts of different layouts. And the God of all grace, who called you to his internal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, Yes, will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Suffering is in with that one. And if we go on again, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Again, there is no suggestion there that life was going to be easy. And in this one, praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And if we look at the life of Abraham, Abraham had the promises to him fulfilled. God was faithful to him, and he is, can be described now as a father of nations. But I thought, let's just have a look at what he went through. So to start with, he has to leave his homeland and he travels. And then, once he's got to Canaan, he has to leave Canaan to go to Egypt because he ends up in a land full of famine. And then he pretends Sarai is his sister because he's so terrified for his life that he will be killed. And then Pharaoh learns about it and is infurious and sends them away. It doesn't sound a life of ease and comfort. And then Lot leaves him. Lot is then taken as a slave and Abraham has to rescue him. Then the positive, if you like, God promises him a son and makes a covenant with Abraham. He doesn't get a son at that moment, so Abraham, Abraham at that point, sorry, decides that he's going to deal with this. So he marries Hagar and has a son with her. So he has a child on the way. But during her pregnancy, she and Sarai fall out and Hagar leaves. So the wife who's just married and his child, being carried in her, leave him. Then, I knew I'd get circumcision in somewhere just to annoy Andrew. The new covenant with God, which requires circumcision and name changes. So not only does he have to be circumcised at the great age that he is, he also had to circumcise all the men that were with him. Not a pleasant task. And he changes his name. Things perk up a little. Angels visit and tell that Sarah, who's now had her name changed, will have a son. 
Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Sodom is destroyed. destroyed. But then again, Abraham clearly didn't learn. He again pretends that Sarah, Sarah is his sister and he gets caught out again. Isaac is born and then Hagar and Ishmael are sent away because of the conflict that occurs. So he's now lost one of his wives and his, one of his sons that he doesn't have contact with. They're sent away. And then, cheerily, God commands Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him, which must have been a horrendous thing to go through. And he does set out to do so, as we know. And then God deals with it. And then, something I didn't know, he marries for the third time and has six sons with his new wife. I hadn't picked that up before. After, So, although Abraham had all God's promises fulfilled it within him, <laughs> within his life, and as a result of what God promised him, He didn't have an easy time. If you look at that list of things, I mean, he had a tough life. He might have lived to 175, but it wasn't an easy 175 years of living. So, but if we go to that slide we had before, which I've repeated, it'll come up again. It will come up again. I'm speaking in faith. Thank you. Praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So not only does it say that we have troubles, but he comforts us in all our troubles. And that was where it linked to Psalm 121, which was the psalm for today. Which I think Kevin has put on your service sheet the page that's on, and I can't remember what it is. Um, In my Bible, which might be slightly different to yours, it is page 622. And it says... I will lift mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I couldn't resist doing this one for one little bit of teaching of the psalm. Because if you look in our, trans- in our translation, we have a question. This is the previous, this is an older translation. It says the help comes from the hills. I think our translation is better where it's a question, and I could go through all sorts of reasons, but I'm not doing that now. So I've gone for this translation. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you, The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Now, 18 months ago, I've had to write this out, I don't normally write. 18 months ago, I was chatting with a colleague at work, And he told me I should go and see a doctor because he was not happy. He thought something was not right. I thought I was fine. I was an assistant principal and I thought that was just the stress that went with it. Um, And school that was in special measures. But he was certain. And Val had been telling me for ages that I should go. And I know her too well, so I didn't. But (laughs) I went to the doctor that afternoon. And I was signed off. And I was referred to the mental health unit for therapy. I didn't take medication. I refused it at the point of time because I was very badly made by my parents and I have 
infinite number of medical conditions and I have bags of medication I have to take. I blame them. So I said I would try therapy first. So it turned out when I did therapy that I had severe anxiety and depression. One of them was I scored the highest that you could get. So I was off work for six months. And I went back, not because I was declared well, but because I wanted to go back, resign and leave. Now I am teaching at a lovely little school and I love it. I earn less than a third of what I used to. But to quote others, I'm a different person. I no longer wish that I wouldn't wake up the following morning, which is the state I was in. Um, have we got children in here? No. Um, not right. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were checking for suicide, and I had to assure them that I wouldn't do that. Probably, and the thing to stop me from that was that having my parents having lost one child, I wouldn't do it that they'd lose both, and that was my thing. Um, so that was the state I was in. Um, I now look forward to each day and the weeks ahead rather than dread them. Last summer when I was in Orkney and I visited my, father, my uncle in Inverness, he took me aside and told me that mother had said to him that at last she had got her daughter back after many, many years of the state I had been in. Now, the reason I, talk, I, was going, I felt I needed to talk about this morning, which is not what I like to do, um, is the point that throughout that time... God was there. He, all the way through it, and brought me through. He sent people. Being me, after I'd been to the doctor and signed off, I went back to school in the evening after that because I wanted to sort everything out before I left. My control freakery is very good. Penny and I often discuss it. So I went to, hand, to make sure everything was sorted. Colleagues there phoned Val, and Val came from work dressed in her Medina um, clothing, and she made me go home. She took me home. She handed... She ma- helped me finish what I was doing, and then took me home. Um, my mother turned up um, to look after me, and she stayed for 10 days. Which, and during that time, we didn't kill each other, which for mother and I, for 10 days, is an achievement, let's be honest. Louise, during that time, regularly took me out for walks and listened to me and talked with me. She also found me jobs to do, to keep me busy. God sent people, God provided when I was through that. He also sent money. Miraculously, last Easter, my endowments paid off 10,000 more than they should have done when I'd looked at them in the December. So, and then in September, when I was earning, <laughs> when I started earning virtually nothing, I got a letter to tell me that my student loans from 20, 30 years ago, I had some that I owed back. So I rang the number, thinking 50p a pound, nearly 4,000 pounds God gave me then. So God provides. So not only people, money, what you need, he'll give you to get through that. God is faithful. He provides when the going gets tough. Now God has led me to where I am now. He has taken me from a stressed, depressed and anxious person to who I am now, which I would describe as nauseatingly cheerful. (laughs) Another colleague, Tim, came to me when I was back in school briefly. And he came and said that he had realised that you have to hit that point where everything's gone wrong before you realise the situation you're in and you come up. And I think that is so true. If I hadn't got that bad, I would have continued thinking this was how life should be. And it took... I wonder how long God had been trying to move me on 
And I had not listened and not paid attention, but he got me to that point so he could move me on to where I am now. And through that, I have learnt to rely on God and trust in him in ways I would never have imagined. As I say, Penny and I talk about being control freak tendencies. But God has taught me that that doesn't work. I cannot do it on my own. I have to rely on him. I have to trust in him. He has me. He has you. He is faithful. Now I have a different relationship with God than I had then. During that time, and I was talking about it, Stuart mentioned spiritual directors, and I do have a spiritual director who is lovely. And through that time, I was leaning on him. Now it's back to me walking beside him again. I'm not being carried by him. I can stand on my own. I'm still loved and protected and cared for. But at that point, I felt surrounded and held and incredibly safe. I am sure... And each time I think I'm well, I find new things that God and I have to deal with. But we're dealing with them. And I am so much, so thankful actually that I've been through that to be where I am now. Because otherwise I wouldn't be here. So, my point is this poem that many of you I think know, which is Footprints, that my father asked me to read at his wedding. Uh, That's his second wedding, not his first. (laughs) Just to clarify. Uh, and, he's, and it's about a man looking back at his life with God. And Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, we would walk side by side through life. But when I needed you most, I saw only one set of footprints in the sand. The Lord replied, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial, and, and I can't read that because it's dark, suffering, thank you, when you see only one set of footprints, that was when I carried you. So my point is this, God loves you, life is not easy, it will come with trials and troubles and challenges, but God has made those promises that he will keep, he is faithful, and to go back to that psalm, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and evermore.